You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Hello and welcome to Why We Do What We Do. This is your host, Abraham. And your co-host, Ryan O. And man, are we excited. We have new microphones. We are so stoked. If you guys have listened through this point, we have definitely had uh, some issues with sibilance, those S sounds coming through. Yep. Um, And we've made it hard on our editors. Including me. (laughs) Yes, which is primarily Abraham and uh, Miranda. So pretty stoked that we now have a dual mic set up it took us forever and it's working so i hope you guys enjoy it uh, i almost i couldn't get the microphones to work at first and almost threw up my hands and said i'm out we're not doing we're not recording today <laughs> yeah slight meltdown we got it though <laughs> so what do we have in store for today all right well we need to follow up on where we left everyone off last week which was uh we were talking about truth yes and admittedly that was a very i think a dense topic actually for what we intended to hit on i think it was good um, it's probably not going to be listened to as much maybe, but it's very important. <laughs> I think, you know, it's, it's something that I've really wanted to tackle and talk about for a while because I think it's really interesting and I'm really glad that we actually did get around to it. And I think it's relevant because people have very strong opinions about things like truth and lies and how to assess these things and where do they fit in popular culture and even crime and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm, I was pretty excited to uh, go after this and uh, I thought it was a good idea to split it into an episode talking just about truth, which I think we could even do more on, but maybe we'll wait until we get some feedback and then, uh, and then do one separately online. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not trying to knock it. I was just saying like, it's a, it's a denser one. It you is know? like, you got to be really into what we were talking about. Some hardcore philosophy. Yeah. Hopefully made some heads spin a little. <laughs> if not, maybe this one will whet your appetite for that one. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe this one's a little lighter and go back, try and pick that one up again or something. <laughs> I don't know. So today we're continuing with this whole truth and lie. Yep. And we're jumping into really just lying. Yes. Yeah. So we covered truth um, it somewhat. Um, so let's, let's, yeah, let's talk about lying. So we got a few questions. We're just going to ramble to each other and see what each other can kind of answer. So the first one's for you, Abraham. Fire away. Is lying the absence of telling the truth? You know, it seems like, no, it it seems like lying is an opposite of telling the truth, but not an absence of telling the truth. Although I know a lot of people feel differently about that because if... I were to just sit here and say nothing to you and I didn't tell you about everything that I've done today. Have, am I lying to you about my day? It seems like no. I don't know. What do you think about that? I, I like it. I agree. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So I have one for you. Is it lying if you don't know that you're telling a lie? I would say no. Okay. You're just misinformed or don't have the information, right? Sure. Um, but it could definitely be perceived as if you're lying. Yeah. And if there's one thing that I've learned in kind of just like, I don't know, psychology management, being an adult, it's really someone's perception that kind of matters the most. Right. That's fair. Understanding that perspective and preparing for that perspective ahead of time. So I don't know. I don't think it's lying, but like, I mean, you kind of got to handle it as if it would be a lie because that might be people's perceptions at the end of the day. Yeah, I can see that. I'm, I'm thinking about if maybe you hear something on a news station, I'm, you know, I'm going where with this. And, uh, and so you then tell somebody else, be like, Hey, did you hear this on the news? And then they look at you funny and they say that never happened. You weirdo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because you, you, you're right. You had the wrong information. And so, um, there might be times when you think that you know the right answer or you are maybe extrapolating a little bit on top of what you do know to say like, this makes sense. So I'm going to also assume that this next thing could make sense in the same way. And that can be perceived as lying, but it seems like relative to how we've discussed telling the truth, that does seem a little bit different in a way, you know? Um, but it, there is maybe some gray area there. You have some, uh, especially when you get to, you're saying things as if they were facts, but you're really extrapolating from what you know. But that's kind of also everything you do all the time, mm-hmm. because every time you say something, you're sort of just relying on how good your memory may or may not be, <laughs> which usually isn't. The cues around you. Yeah, the cues around you. And you're also just trying to um, maybe in the moment, the motivation is to say something as succinctly as possible. And so it's not you're like not trying to deceive someone, but you're just trying to communicate quickly what whatever it is that you're trying to say. 
Um, cool. Okay. I think we're good on that one. Yeah. Next one. So, Abraham, is it lying if it is what you really believe? That implies something we're going to talk about today, which is intention, yes. I think. And, you know, if I say something that is maybe inconsistent with what other people believe, I might say, hey, aliens from other extraterrestrial beings from other planets have landed on our planet and they're living amongst us and we don't know. And that's something that I really believe um, there. You know, there's no evidence maybe to support that, but that's where I, where I, what I'm interacting with as if it were true. So as far as we can tell, this does fit with the idea of actually telling the truth, um, even though I think others might look at that as a lie. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with your, your, your perspective on that one. Okay. All right. So is lying the same as exaggerating? Um, man, I definitely think it could be perceived that way. Um, I think we talk about them separately, but they're kind of getting at the same thing. I think, yeah, I mean, it, it probably depends on the level of exaggeration. And this is another one where there's gray area. Yeah. So yeah, I could say, tough. you know, and also because I think at some in some cases we operate when we exaggerate as if people know that we're exaggerating. You know, that's part of telling jokes sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I got this strawberry that was the size of a horse. Obviously, there's no strawberries the size of a horse, but maybe somebody who doesn't know that, you know, hears that and say to themselves, wow, that is a big strawberry. I don't yeah. even know where I'd put a strawberry that big. <laughs> and so um, there might be some imp- some cultural implication of, like, if I say this and it's not true, but I am believing that you understand this isn't true, that that's not necessarily lying. It's just exaggerating and maybe for, the, you know, trying to be funny. Yeah. Yeah. Think about it a little bit more as you're talking. I think it's something that initially, like you said, for someone younger learning language, like it probably looks like it. Mm-hmm. But as you get older, you can discriminate between, and it's a little bit. They're they're pretty different, I guess, at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. So the the next one for you mm-hmm. is lying the same as paraphrasing or using different words to alter the effect of a message. Lots of gray area in here. Because mm-hmm. in general, I would say no. Because when we are writing, a lot of the time, we, you know, if you're writing a paper or you're writing a blog or you're writing an email, anything you're writing, unless you're like really genuinely coming up with your own words, if you're trying to communicate some amount of knowledge, you're probably paraphrasing something you've already heard and something you already know. So in a sense, a lot of what you communicate when you're trying to teach people or even just send information to people is a form of paraphrasing unless it's direct like quoting, which can even be paraphrasing based on things like intonation and inflection and stuff. So in that sense, no, it's, you know, paraphrasing isn't, but if you were just paraphrased to leave out those critical details of what the message really is intending to say. Yeah. So if the message was something like, I'm just going to make this up on the spot. I'm going to tell you, my friend told me to invite you to their house for a uh, game night and what I didn't say was they told me to uh, invite you um, and my ex-girlfriend and your ex-girlfriend. Yeah. And that we're inviting your ex-girlfriend. Then in that case, uh, I've left out a, a crit- maybe a critical part of the message. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I wouldn't look at it as a lie. It would be, I don't know what else. Like this one's kind of a tricky one. So when we say is lying the same as paraphrasing and kind of using different words for altering the effect of a message. I mean, like you're saying at the beginning, if it was, then this podcast would just be a lie as we paraphrase every yeah. time in it. Right? Every podcast would be a lie. Yeah. As for the other one, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what I'd call it. That example with the girlfriend. Yeah. Um, not a lie. Like you just, you left out some really critical information. Right. Yeah. What do I don't call know. that? Paraphrasing badly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Dubious. Does that kind of describe it? Oh yeah. I like that. Okay. Dubious. Now is the concept of lying is that need to, um, does that only exist as long as you have a concept of the truth? Can you lie without there being a concept of truth? There's, for me, there's got to be a concept of truth okay. for a lie to happen. So, like you could look at that as like a one and zero, or you could look at it in kind of a continuum. Like we look at things differently here. Mm-hmm. But like there's got to be both to some extent or one another. That sounds, I think that's reasonable. And I think that they, the nature of lying and truth or uh, true, trueness and falseness um, 
are reciprocal ideas. Although I think that it does make sense to say that they exist sort of on a spectrum. Um, and also going back to this notion that these are based inside of language, although we're going to get into some of that a little bit more today. All right. So the history of lying is pretty interesting. I pulled um, from different articles as well as kind of looking around on Google for examples. And I just want to list a few of them off. So one of them that was pretty big that I remember in my life, but I didn't dive into at the time was Bernie Madoff and how he duped a bunch of investors out of billions of dollars in this Ponzi scheme. Oh, yeah. You probably wouldn't know this, but there's a movie about that that just came out. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'm horrible at those sort of things. <laughs> what is it? Uh, I think it's called Wizard of Lies, and it has Robert De Niro in it. And he, I believe he's playing Bernie, Bernie Madoff. And also there was another podcast that was released in the last month or so that, at least at the time this, this is being recorded, that had also done another episode on the whole um, Bernie Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme as well. Yeah. All right. That one's a big one. Um, yeah. Another one that's uh, more historical. So it might be Richard Nixon and the famous Watergate scandal. Yep. There's... And uh, just to... I guess for those who don't know what happened there, that was primarily uh, Nixon lying about sending people to investigate, um, like stealing files, and they broke into um, a, a building, I believe it was called Watergate, mm-hmm. um, and stole some files. And when it came to light that he was basically committing like internal espionage, yeah, um, then people were notably upset about that. And then he had said initially... I didn't do this. This never happened. And the evidence was pretty damning. Yeah, it could be like in his case, kind of it's claimed that he's kind of clinging onto this power or Bernie Madoff was kind of like working to gain these unjust rewards. And that's why his lying was going on. The Sometimes people lie to inflate their image. Um, so there's actually an example in a National Geographic.com article that came out in June that highlighted President Trump's, uh, as they quote it, demonstrably false assertion that his inauguration crowd was bigger than President Barack Obama's first one. That was a big big to-do for a little while. Not to get into politics too heavily, but I mean, there seemed to be some pretty solid evidence comparing the two sides. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, they were... There was a noticeable difference, and that doesn't necessarily mean anything for anybody, you know, I'm not trying to take sides or anything, but... It's one, interesting. It's yeah, an interesting it, phenomenon that occurs a lot. Yeah, exactly. On a very big level, a lot of people notice. Sure. And, you know, it, uh, not that this, again, not that it really means anything, but in Barack Obama's second inauguration when he was reelected, uh, as I understand it, the crowd was much smaller, and probably I think that's a pattern consistent with second elections for many presidents. Not taking sides on whether this was important or not, just saying that it was pretty clearly evident that Donald Trump's inaugural crowd was smaller, and that's fine. Like, it is what it is. Those things change over time. And it was perceived by many as a lie. Right, yeah. And we're going to dive into, you know, exactly what is a lie. So, yeah, there's there's things like inflating image um, that we just gave an example of. There could be things like lying for covering up bad behavior. So one that recently also happened was in 2016 Summer Olympics. There was a swimmer, Ryan Locht, I believe is his name. Lochte. Lochte, thank you. Um, that claimed to have been robbed at gunpoint at a gas station when he was actually, he and his teammates found to be drunk at an after party and had been confronted by armed security guards after damaging property. Right. And that one seems also similar to sort of protecting um, their self, their self-interest and their power. I don't know if power is the right word, but their uh, prestige, if you will. And also their, their place in the event that they're taking part of. Yeah. So if, if we've, if we've kept the people that were into politics and sports and they're still around after listening at this point, <laughs> we can actually hit our own selves in the science world that we love so much. Right. Yeah. First one was there's, so in science, it's a world largely inhabited by people devoted to like this pursuit of truth. Right. And it's been shown to contain actually a lot of kind of people have gone rogue and deceived as well or lied themselves. So one was a physicist. I don't know much about who purported breakthroughs in molecular semiconductor research that actually proved to be fraudulent. Um, but then the one that we know a little bit more is... Andrew Wakefield? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Wakefield. That's a big one. Tell us, tell us about Andrew Wakefield. Andrew Wakefield was a uh, gastroenterologist in, in the UK. And in the 90s, in the late 90s, he had published a paper where he had suggested, 
I guess. In his paper, he had said that he found a, cor- a st- statistically significant correlation between the MMR vaccine and rates of autism in uh, children. And it was later shown uh, that he had faked his data and um, also that he was being paid off by anti-vaccination like lawyers. He has actually denied those claims and continued to insist on the validity of his research, even though he had made those data up. And and that's still his position today. But yeah, that's, I think, one of the most high profile yeah. instances of people in the research world lying about the results and it having a really huge impact on the I mean, our country, other countries, but sort of the, I guess, the health, the world world health at large. Yeah, it's been thoroughly debunked. Yeah, it has yes. been. Um, multiple studies have, have debunked that research. And again, like uh, he had admitted his lies, his uh, uh, co-authors had admitted that they had participated in this uh, deceitful action. So it's not really a dispute. It You know, those things happen. I guess maybe he didn't admit his lies, but his co-authors did. And it was definitely discovered that he had uh, faked his data. So Yeah, so Madoff, Nixon, Trump. Uh, Lochte, uh, all of these folks, they're all at the top of the list, some really well-known examples. Yeah. And I think it's safe to say it's pretty pervasive in the world. It's not just locked up at those that, that level, I guess, of uh, prestige or in certain areas, right? Mm-hmm. So is lying always bad? I think that's where we need to jump into next. Yeah, I think that's a great question, especially because we've really been discussing, and we spent the first part of the episode just you know talking about what is an example of a lie and where is it maybe not an example of a lie and then go into these examples of people who have lied that had really significant impacts on the culture at large and it is worth asking the question is lying always bad and i think that a lot of people have a very strong reaction to when people tell lies the lie about a deceitful action can be worse for some people than the action itself so just committing the action doesn't necessarily mean um, that it will have as much of an adverse reaction to some people as the line about it might have had or line about something that would have actually been smaller. But is it always bad? So there are some examples, I think, of where line isn't necessarily always bad. And then also just where it sort of fits in the history of mankind and even just in life in general. And um, I think one example of is line is always bad. Like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? white lies yeah like you know telling people <laughs> and the, i think a classic ex- example do i look fat no you don't look fat that's important in our culture um that you know slimness is an important thing and so it's very concerning to not look slim and so when people ask about um whether or not they look fat then you need <laughs> it's considered appropriate to tell them no you don't look fat um although there are cer- uh, certainly circumstances especially even in our culture where it's is appropriate to tell the truth and say yep uh, you definitely look fat <laughs> yeah um but uh yeah white lies is a good example of that and then the other one that i think we should uh that we can go ahead and dive into a little bit more is deception and specifically yes. deception in like the animal kingdom yeah, so lying and deception, either unintentional or you know deliberate, or both well known in the animal kingdom, is kind of what's typically I guess communicated out there. And like when you kind of Google on and looking for this sort of stuff, mm-hmm. so that might be things like camouflage markings um, to confuse you know animals, right? Confuse each other. Yeah. And I, so I was having the thought when I was looking over this, this whole idea of deception, and that does seem important to the concept of lying in general, right? Because you have that there is a truth. Um, and let's say the truth is uh, for, let's go back to this idea of a, a camouflage where you have a beetle and the beetle's like, I'm black, but I'm going to be white on this beach so that I don't get eaten by birds because I would stand out on this beach if I were black. Mm. And so the beetle doesn't actually get to really make that choice. Uh, evolution sort of selected for when there are black and white beetles crawling around on a beach and the birds can easily pick out the black beetles. They swoop, swoop down and eat those. The only ones left are the white beetles. They reproduce and they have little white beetle babies. And, um, and then the beetles are born and they make really good albums. <laughs> Just <laughs> I was, kidding. I was waiting for that. Yeah. <laughs> Not where I was intending to go, but it came up. Um, but the, this idea that then they are deceiving the birds by being the same color as their environment, well, it's pres- uh, presumably that same process came to um, result in things like other camouflage and other environmental adaptations that have animals and insects blend in with their environment well so that they are unlikely to be harmed by predators and uh, also potentially so that they're more likely to be successful in catching their prey. And 
so this idea of deception in a way it really is just from the eye of the beholder and that it's only deceiving if it you know something is affected by the way that something looks so there might be some animal that doesn't necessarily see in the same color spectrum that we do and black white doesn't matter in terms of the beetles color they're going to see maybe infrared and so all those beetles are in trouble and in that case the animal wasn't deceived so was the beetle being deceptive toward that animal and i think the obvious answer is no so deception is it's not really a thing it only matters in terms of how it affects other creatures and so in a way anything can be deceiving to anybody at any point you know even just like i didn't see someone standing over there and then i you know i happened to catch them out of the corner of my eye and it scared me because i didn't think there was someone over there were they deceiving me by standing there probably not Mm -hmm. you know and so that idea of deception i don't know it makes me think that that's not really a useful way of categorizing something as being a lie although i definitely hear a lot of people talk about this in with respect to evolution as lying yeah and like when uh, insects look like leaves and when uh, animals can change their colors and their shape to look like things um certain cephalopod you know cuttlefish are for example good at this sort of thing um, but yeah, I don't know. It's weird to talk about it as lying, especially when we talk about lying as it relates to something like truth. And if, if for example, you have an organism that has evolved to only look a certain way, then it's truth in a, in a way that animal being true is just to look the way that it looks, which just happens to blend in with their environment. So it's weird, again, to call it a lie. And so wrapped up in this whole concept I've been dancing around is this idea of intention, right? Yeah, so kind of hard to get behind this idea of any of those things you just described being intentional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe in some grand scheme, if you, you take that worldview perspective of everything's intentionally and like critically, or what is it, intentionally designed? Yeah. When it comes from the perspective we're taking, I just kind of can't get behind that, to be honest. Well, it's kind of weird, and I think that if, it, if you're going to go to the point that everything is intentional, then the word intention no longer has meaning because it's just it's everything you don't need a word that describes everything because it, it would apply always and 100% of the time. It would just be redundant to call it intentional. It would mean the same thing as just calling it by its name. And so if you're going to use the word intention, I think it can't imply that everything is intentional. It has to only speak to these sort of isolated examples. And But then again, it gets difficult, especially with these examples of animals and their camouflage and their evolutionary history by saying that they're intentionally lying. Um, but that even gets back to some of these other examples of um, where we had started at the top of the episode talking about, is it lying to omit, to paraphrase? And is it lying to leave out pieces of information? And is it lying to exaggerate? And um, in a way, if you say anything at all, it could be construed as intentional. So it could always intentionally be true or always intentionally be false. And that's, you know, part of how it's wrapped into language. I don't know. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's tricky, right? Yeah. I've always taken the perspective of uh, lying is kind of a language-based phenomenon. Totally. I so agree. So it happens within humans. If not, it's kind of these other things we were talking about, of maybe deception and whatnot. And as I think also to lies to be human like it's a thing that we just we do um to various degrees i think that that's fair but with the caveat that the reciprocal is not necessarily true so yeah. that to be human is to lie yes and that goes to for example individuals who may have some profound disability which um, means that they don't ever develop a comprehensive language mm-hmm. It would be difficult, I think, based on the what we've de- described as being lying to say that someone who um, doesn't really have language can therefore engage in intem- intentional deceptive behavior where they are doing something that is the opposite of true. And um, that actually reminds me of this idea of like being sneaky as lying, yeah. which again, I don't, I don't necessarily think that it is, um, but you know, I think other people probably feel differently about that. Perhaps. So... Let's jump into some of the research. Okay, let's do it. I think you found some really great stuff on this. I'm, I'm interested to hear uh, some of the things that you found that, and I hear you talk about those. Yeah, so there was a group. Um, Ryan Morris, I believe, led it with a lot of the National Geographic magazine staff. And they compiled a really cool set of diagrams for us to jump into and kind of pull apart. 
So what I wanted to do is just like us kind of like in the moment, pull these up, analyze, look at them, point out some of the interesting things that we see. They're going to be links to the show notes so everybody can pop in as they're listening kind of look at these as well. Okay. So the first one is a circular pie chart that says, why lie? And it says, we all lie, but we, but not all lies are the same. People lie and tell the truth to achieve a goal. Quote, we lie if honesty won't work, says researcher Tim Levine. So what do you notice here? There is, I wanted to sort of break down a lot of what we see on here. The, the sections of this little pie chart we see, um, the lie to protect yourself, lie to, um, lie to promote yourself, being unclear and to impact others. And there's a lot of percentages wrapped around, which I haven't added up, but I assume come out to 100%. Yeah, same here. <laughs> I'm going to assume their math is good on that. The largest section I see is to promote yourself, which I think is kind of interesting. Four sections that uh, they give in this diagram that are lying to promote yourself are humor. Uh, so making people laugh, uh, doing, uh, is your self impression. And so that's just, you know, creating a positive image of yourself. So, uh, and the personal advantage, which is things like, um, prestige and potentially, uh, access to things, but things that go beyond money. And then the last one is financial or economic gains where you get something that's extrinsically rewarding, I guess, in terms of money out of it. Yeah, so apparently about 44% of the lies that occur uh, or fall in that area of to, to promote yourself. That's a lot. Um, now, the other, the next biggest part is there's about 36% that is lumped under to protect yourself, and it breaks down into two areas. 14% is for avoidance. That could be to escape or evade other people. And then 22% of lies apparently for personal transgression. So that could be covering up a mistake or some sort of misdeed that you did. Which the, I fe- I actually thought that that would be, I, I mean, that is the uh, largest section of the pie chart, but I, I guess I assumed that protect yourself would be larger than that, but I don't know. I guess it is what it is. Those, that's the, those are their data. So Yep. It's a sample. Yep. You got to take it. So there's two others to impact others and for unclear, that's kind of where the rest of them fall up. So the first one's to impact others. That could be for something like altruism and for some sort of reasons related to altruism. So, so going back to white lies. Yep. Helping other people. You could have social or polite reasons. That's a, a small 2%. Oh, maybe that one's white lies. Maybe altruistic. What would be an example of altruistic, do you think? Mm, I mean, I think white lies could fall under both of these, right? It kind of feels like it. Because I feel like with altruistic, if you're lying about something, it might be, you know, something terrible happened to your family, but I'm not going to tell you the gritty, gritty details. I'm just going to say, hey, this was a tragedy. We're going to leave it at that. Mm-hmm. You can see him at the wake. Um, yeah. And maybe, but that seems like a white lie. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm using the term differently than they're using it here. Yeah. No, I think either of them can be white lies. The last area in, in under to impact others, which that larger group was about, was it 11% of lies apparently? Mm-hmm. Um, 4% of that. Uh, total was malicious. So some sort of intention to hurt other people. Gotcha. Go back to that intention piece. It's too high, but it's nice to see that it's low. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um, And the last area is unclear, and that could be some sort of unknown motives or unclear motives were occurring or some sort of pathological lying. And this one makes up only 9% of this total pie chart. Yeah. So, yeah, as you were saying, the unknown that you just don't know what why someone's lying. Um, so it's, it can be unclear. Um, and sometimes we lie and we don't necessarily even know. And then the pathological is those people who just seem to lie constantly and don't seem to really care about reality or depicting things in reality. But you know, there's another type of line that we haven't talked about at all because these seem to be just sort of bold faced lies where it is 100% inaccurate, but we can say things that are kind of lies like the exaggerating and Mm -hmm. the omitting pieces of information where it's not necessarily a lie, but it's more sort of bending the truth. Yeah. All right. So let's walk out. This one's not a full pie chart, um, but this is more like a rainbow. Yes. (laughs) Yes. A rainbow chart. So what they did is they're looking at uh, bending the truth and they broke it into uh, essentially lying frequency by age over a 24-hour period. The way they looked at it was how much, the percentage of people in these age ranges that told one to five lies, the percentage telling more than five lies in one day, and the percentage that there was no lies told by that age group. Okay. So their age groups were 6 to 8, 9 to 12, 13 to 17, 18 to 44, and 44 to 59, and then 60 to 77. Okay. 
So interesting, interesting. Yeah. So the 68 range, one to five lies per day. So just to be clear, uh, six years old to eight years old. And these are, so these are kids who are six years old to eight years old who are telling between one or up to five lies in a 24 hour period. And their sample is 29% of children lied that frequently. Okay. And then the next age group was kids that are nine years old to 12 years old. So getting into teenagers a little bit and how many, how many, what per, percentage of them lied one to five times per day. 43%. Right. So a little bit of an increase there. Mm -hmm. Then we jump to the 13 years to 17 years old range. It goes up to 59%. Yeah. So I think that if you had just asked me and given me these age groups, I probably would have picked this as being the age group with the largest amount of lying. Mm -hmm. And for no other reason really than experience, but beyond, (laughs) beyond that, to say that it makes a lot of sense because it's at this time when kids are first starting to get a lot of independence and they're also in a lot of circumstances where they have the independence but not necessarily know how to do things well. And so I think there are a lot of opportunities for making mistakes, probably more than just about any other point in your life, you know, with some obvious exceptions. But yeah. it just generally speaking, um, there's a lot of sort of finding yourself and getting used to the system and figuring out what you can get away with and pushing the boundaries of what's allowed, which means... You're going to have to lie. <laughs> yeah. So when we jump into the 18 years old, the 44 year old range, which is really big um, and what it encompasses, it drops back down to 45% of people are telling one to five lies in a day. Mm-hmm. And then going up to age 45 to, uh, to 59 years old, so another 14 year gap, not as big as the other one, but still pretty big, that uh, 39% of them were telling lies one to five times per day. Yes, and then the 60 to the 77-year-old range, 34% of people told lies one to five times. So it's the second lowest of everyone. So by the time you're in your 60s, my interpretation is you're just like, eh, screw it. I don't need yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I'm just going to say what's on my mind. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it, it pretty closely, if you were to graph it out in like a line graph, it kind of increases from the 68-year-old range, peaks up at the 13 to 17, and then starts to drop back down relatively close to back to that 68 range again. Yep. Um, so that's the first part of this. Now, the second part, we'll be looking at the percentage of people that are telling more than five lies in one day. So we'll use those same groups. Maybe we can go a little faster through this one. Yeah, I was just thinking we can just sort of go, yeah, go through them quickly. So right. the 68 range is 7%. Uh, it's nine to 12 range is 14%. 13 to 17 range is up at 15%. 18 to 44 was 9%. 45 to 59 uh, year old range was up to 11%. And then finally the 60 to 77 year old range was 10%. That's a lot of percentages to throw at you, but just to know that at no point did anybody cross the threshold of even 15% of line more than five times per day, which might actually be more than uh, or less than what people would otherwise believe. And so at, for most of these groups, they never go above 50% of the day, except for in the sort of teenage and um, and youngish ages. So at the, the 9 to 12, 13 to 17, 18 to 14, so basically 9 to 44 are the only times where you get over 50% of the day. Yeah. So pretty interesting, I think. Yeah. Um, now, everybody else does not tell a lie in those age groups, apparently. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, roughly the inverse percentage of people did not tell that many lies or didn't tell any lies at all um, over the course of a 24-hour period. All right, so I think like learning to walk and talk, lying is something that is a sort of developmental milestone. Yeah, this is a great, a cool concept, I think, is this idea that lying is actually something you kind of look for to ensure that your kid is developing normally. Yeah, and that's one of my big take-homes I'm going to hit later on. It's very good to see. It's just learning how to handle it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's just, it's important to say that, you know, we kind of expect kids to lie. Everybody lies. Our definition of lying is not necessarily always consistent across people. And so um, we as people, um, as you said, you know, as humans who have the ability to have language at all, um, we are going to be in a position where we're very likely to be telling some lies sometimes. And uh, so once you start to see that and develop in kids, that actually can be a sign that they're developing normally and that they're sort of testing their independence. They're learning those complex relations between when I say this, this is the outcome versus when I say this, I can change the situation to my advantage to make this outcome that I want, even though that's not necessarily how I would normally have reported this. And actually, just because I think it's fun to tell stories, I have this memory 
of being a kid where um, I remember telling a lie at a very young age. And I had been walking past my neighbor's house and they had this huge like flower garden basically surrounded their house and they were on a street corner. And so um, I didn't really know better at the time, um, but I was going through and I saw these flowers. And so I was picking them thinking I was going to give them to my mom because I'm such a good kid like that. <laughs> and uh, the owner of the house came out and she was just furious. And she's like, were you picking flowers? And I yeah. like put it behind my back. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm not picking flowers, uh, which is hilarious because it's almost like a cartoon in that way. Obviously, yeah. my hands behind my back holding something. I think of all that like a dandelion or something from my head. Like, this is all I had but she told me not to pick her flowers and I had to go home. Uh, but yeah, that was my, uh, one of my earliest memories of sort of being caught telling a lie and also having the consequence of, I don't think that I, it didn't really cross my mind that what I was doing was wrong, but it certainly made sense to me that like I'm in trouble and I need to get out of it. Yeah. Just kind of interesting. Yeah. And to tell a story on the other end, um, when I was 17, I got my first speeding ticket and that was when I remember kind of the first instance of like, I just need to like tell the truth straight up. Mm-hmm. And I need to get this over with as fast as I can. Cause it's the fastest way out of this. <laughs> yeah. So I got pulled over. I was about an hour and a half from town. I gave a phone call to my dad or my mom told him, told her what happened. And I walked up to the house after I parked, handed the keys to my dad. There wasn't a word said. I walked inside and I knew what was going to happen. There wow. was definitely some grounding going on there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, rode, uh, I rode my scooter for a month. Uh, around town like to work and everything this is the second story you've told where something happened to your car and you had to transport yourself via like bicycle or scooter or something yeah. <laughs> it's only happened a couple of times but they were really good lessons that's fair so all right so when we look into like the pop psychology perspectives of this there are some things that popped up a lot that i want to just mention real quick and get your perspective on yeah so a lot of times it is said that we lie because of fear or manipulation or pride. There's a lot of different reasons. What's your perspective on that? Like what happens if we start saying it's because of these things? That lies in the category of what we were talking about with that diagram that showed like what proportion of lies or what types of lies. And so those that are done out of fear. And I think that those, the word fear doesn't mean anything in terms of fear doesn't necessarily cause lying or that lying happens necessarily because of fear. And um, I'll go into that reason for a second, but what, where you can use those is to simply say that this was a circumstance or these were the, the circumstances for that individual. And we can call those circumstances fear inducing, or even just call them fear. And we understand that what that means is that there was a threat and there was some motivation to get away from that threat. But just calling it fear doesn't really tell you anything about the situation, I think. And the problem that that gets into, and this actually brings us back to, uh, if you're just picking up this podcast, when reference our one of our earliest episodes, episode four on circular reasoning, um, because it, this is an example of that circular reasoning. So I would say, you know, why did they lie? They lied because they were scared. And how do you know they were scared? Well, because they lied their way out of it. Boom. So, yeah, you just go in circles that way. Same is true for the manipulation, pride, anything where you are describing, you're using some word that doesn't necessarily reference what happened. And so what we're really interested in is what happened. And those will give more, they'll paint that picture and give the context. And so, yeah, we can call it fear, but that's not an explanation. It's just a description. All right. So why does, why does lying work? What, what's, what are we getting behind and really advocating for here? There's always a payoff. And this is something I think we haven't actually touched on a lot on this show, but it's it's worth noting that in everything that we do, there's always some kind of payoff. And for that is also true, of course, for lying. That pie chart that I just criticized. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it does sort of give this idea of uh, we lie to promote ourselves. And so there can be some kind of prestigious gain that we get. There can be some financial gain. There can be notoriety, something that happens that is some kind of positive gain. Um, or the payoff is to I- increase the likelihood that we'll have access to those things that we want to do. Yep. Um, so there's all these things that are these positive payoffs that we can have for line. But there's also things that are not necessarily positive, at least not in the same way. Yeah, so we can also avoid things as a result of lying. Yeah, like for what? Like what do you? What's an example? So, so one that we talked about earlier was uh, the Watergate scandal and trying to covering things up, right? Right. So avoiding the responsibility. Yeah, you can also lie for a lot of social reasons. So, 
in the past I've done this more. I feel like I'm a lot more proactive at it now, but making up little white lies that have to do with like, when you don't want to get into something, someone's like, hey, come out to this party, like want to see you. And you're just like, I really don't want to do that. I want to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And kind of making up like, oh, I can, I'm really busy. Or right. There's other thing going on. Like how true is that and whatnot. Totally. Um, in the past, I used to lie a lot on those sort of things. And uh, since then I've worked on uh, trying to communicate what really I'd like to do up front beforehand and just making that really clear so I don't have to get in those situations so much it makes it a lot easier. But that's definitely, uh, I think, a good example in my life of how I would avoid things in the past. Yeah, and I think that you, you can not only avoid things that are sort of imminent, but you can avoid uh, even the threat of things. So um, it's sort of like I don't want to get in trouble with my manager, so... I'm just not, you know, I'm not even going to approach her with this problem. I'm just going to put this problem over here where it can't be seen. Tuck it under the rug. Exactly. Um, I'll deal with it later. It's okay. It's not hurting anybody. And so that's not necessarily um, the same as like telling something, although you might then go to your manager and be like, nope, no problems on my end. Yeah. You know, but in that case, what you're doing is you're avoiding even the threat of having to lie. They say, Mm -hmm. why didn't this get done? And now I have to point a finger at someone else or come up with some excuse. It's just threat is eliminated, can or move least, on with my day. At least temporarily. At least temporarily. Yeah. Those things usually come back. Yeah. So, Not a, no anxiety or anything coming as a result of that, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> no way. So there, at the root of this, I think we can both agree that uh, it's our fact that we kind of engage in language and whatnot that is kind of like the engine uh, as to why lying occurs in humans and we don't see it. We really don't see it elsewhere, right? Yeah, I think that... Yeah, I agree with you. It is. It, this seems to be wrapped up very much inside of this this concept of language and how language plays a role in how we describe something as being true. And you know, I actually wanted to ask you something that we don't hadn't really planned for, but just in the relation of all of this, and this is becoming more relevant for me. But how about the idea of lying to kids about things like? I think everyone knows where you're going with this. Those those cultural things that we care so much around the holidays, right? There or you go. When we perhaps uh, lose a tooth or whatnot, right? Or yeah, or, or celebrating some kind of major festive event, and that we might we know necess- that uh, things aren't necessarily as fantastic as they seem, maybe <laughs> on the surface. <laughs> so is that lying? Is that the question? Yeah. Well, That's and my... the question I also had was, you know, what is the effect that this has on? on on kids is this something we should or shouldn't do like what i'm curious about your opinion honestly and i have my own as well yeah so my 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 scientific opinion would be like i don't know the data behind this sort of stuff and what it actually does my Mm -hmm. personal opinion actually varies so when it comes to i've largely avoided this because i don't have children Mm -hmm. um i don't need i'm not in this situation i haven't like necessarily formed it i have a formed opinion around it but uh, it's also something i'd have to handle with my partner right sure on, like where we're really at and how we'd handle this sort of thing so that's like i haven't totally avoided it but i'm just not in the position to really have to handle it a lot but i would look at it as uh, it would be a very tough kind of conflict for me as to like how to handle it because sure. i value meaningful experiences and like sharing those sort of things and it's very much this cultural thing that's all of those are these cultural things that are very like meaningful to a level. Totally. But man, I remember learning about some of those things and I felt kind of, I don't know. I felt kind of lied to. Sure. Not in like my parents lied to me about things or whoever, but I, you know, like it was kind of like, Oh man, humans aren't as uh, safe as I thought. Hmm. (laughs) That's fair. How about you? Well, I've, I've have different thoughts about this because I also like, I, I don't mind necessarily honoring the cultural traditions for the sake of other people. And that's important to them, even with respect to my, my, my own kids. But what I want, I guess what I want to say is this, it's, I, I, part of the question I ask is like, what's the point? Why tell them this? Is it just because to have fun? Because maybe there's a way to have fun without going into, you know, describing this in a way that's not necessarily accurate for them. I I think that I'm more on the side of, I really just kind of want to be upfront and say like, Hey, we can have something to celebrate. I'm great with that. And let's pick something like legitimate and real that we can wrap our heads around that we can all sort of participate in. And we don't have to lie to each other and like keep up this facade about what's really going on. Um, We can be straight with each other and just 
have this holiday celebration that is meaningful to us, not because it's wrapped around fantasy, but because it's wrapped around uh, the values of being together and celebrating something, you know, whatever yeah. it's going to be. So I don't know. That's, that's kind of where I land on it. Um, but I also understand, you know, I don't want to necessarily step on someone else's tradition and say you shouldn't do that. Yeah. But I do want to try and have that with, with my kids, um, have that trust there of, you know, I'm going to be in support of you. I'm not going to try and deceive you or mislead you. Yeah. I'm sort of always going to be on your court um, and less I'm pulling a prank, but <laughs> yeah. And I would say, I agree with you. Um, but going through it, like, I mean, I trust my parents, right? Like, yeah, I for mean, sure. I'm sure you do too. And yeah. Everybody like, recovers from it. Yeah. I think. And yeah. And I mean, I don't even, it's kind of, yeah, kind of a recovery, but it was like also a thing where you're just like, I was like, oh, okay. Like I get how our culture kind of works a little bit more now. Yeah. And nowadays, now that everyone knows what's kind of going on in those situations, it's kind of fun to like joke and look back and kind of reference, you know, sure. those sort of things now. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. Fine. Okay, interesting. So yeah, there's definitely cultural differences that occur, right? Yeah, and I think with sure. both respect to holidays, I think what are considered lies, um, even probably in some ways how lying works, like under the circumstances under which lying is likely to occur is, is different across cultures. And going back to this idea of where line is rooted in language, because languages are different from one another, or else we'd all speak the same language, yeah. then line is also going to be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, and so line might not necessarily be a statement of fact as it is the way that that fact is delivered. I don't speak any of the languages, unfortunately, so I don't know. But that it's, it's worth looking at this from the fact that lying inside uh, with respect to coming from an English background or an English speaking background in an American culture, which is where I'm from or where from, that that's not necessarily going to be the same across every culture. Every culture might look at this very differently than the way that we do, which is it's really important. And that also highlights how language and culture bound and human of a phenomenon this is. Yes. I would also highlight because you're kind of dabbling around this, like we can look at the cultural level, but the individual level is very important as well. Totally. So yeah, I agree. that's something that, as we kind of talked about these different age groups and the prevalence of lying, like we didn't highlight too much on like, that's really our view of just making sure you're looking at an individual level because that's how you can really, you know, work with and help influence if you need to these sort of things. Right. Right. Whether you're a parent, educator or whatnot. And this also, I mean, goes back to this idea of it's really looking at those circumstances. When we talk about what do we mean they lied because of fear, what were the circumstances that made it so that fear was a motivator, you know, or why, what came up for them that that seems like it was uh, causing that fear or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it, and that's always going to be different for each individual. It depends on what they have learned up to that point in their life and how they were raised and what their culture is and and what their circumstances are at the time that that takes place. Those all are involved in sort of doing this analysis and understanding what line is and how it works for everybody. Cool. All right. It's time for take-homes. Yeah, let's wrap this thing up. You're first. All right. Okay. So one of the thoughts that I had that we should just highlight is Lying and telling the truth can both result in psychological suffering. They can both cause harm. And I mentioned this a lot in the last episode when we were talking just about truth, and I haven't really brought it up as much here. But in my opinion, it's more important to look at this in terms of sort of what's the overall outcome? How does this affect people? What, and also in a way, what's the point? You know, under what conditions do I want to tell a lie? Is that ever, is that ever going to be a good idea? Is telling the truth always going to be a good idea? And looking at, you know, evaluating things based on how, what the, as I already said, is what the outcome is and not just the fact that it was a lie. Sometimes like you have to have a truth and it's going to be a hard truth and it's going to have an unfortunate consequence. But in, once you get past that, the ultimate result is going to be better than if you had tried to carry on that lie. And sometimes if you tell the truth like that can only get worse and worse and worse. And so it just depends on it's not necessarily black or white that one's good, one's bad. Um, they can both either prevent psychological suffering or they can cause psych psychological suffering or other problems to happen. Cool. Another take home, I think, is that people lie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we, we kind of went in through the data, right? Yeah. Something that's going to happen. It's actually a good thing to see with children. Mm -hmm. It's showing you these developmental milestones. And really, I just think the important thing to take home is, if I were to suggest anything, it's kind of the self-awareness around this um, and just improving it if you want to around your values. I would, I would hope you'd want to. But that's kind of like how to handle this, I guess. Yeah. Right? No, I like that. That's that. 
wraps it up nicely, I think. I do have one more thing to say, though. <laughs> and this is, I think, reiterating the point that I've made, but I, I just want to try and say it succinctly so that it sort of um, it sits with everybody and, and maybe I can leave this here is just in the end we're talking about truth or we're talking about lying we're really referring to using our language to evaluate something to evaluate an event against our depiction of that as reality we then call that either a, the truth or we call it a lie um, but the truth or lie itself is really just re referring to this communication that's happening a statement anything that you say is just words and the criteria by which those words are judged really depends on your culture it depends on how your language is set up inside of that culture and what those words only they mean as far as that language is concerned and therefore they really can't objectively be evaluated as being true or false except against that language criteria itself okay and so instead these words really should just be evaluated by their effect either contributing or being destructive um, but the lie the label itself of either truth or lie doesn't necessarily i think doesn't necessarily tell you whether it was good or bad solid i love it cool all right. So I with think that I think we're I think we're all good on that one. Awesome. I wanted uh, let's just do a quick shout out and say thanks to everyone that's listening. Yeah. Thank you we very got, much. We've got some different feedback coming in. We we listen to it all, whether it's on you know Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and a text message and email, uh, handwritten letters. Like send it in. Yeah, we appreciate it, and uh, we also appreciate uh, everyone who has uh, contributed to our show. Uh, you're it's very valuable what you've done. Shout out to all the patrons out there. That's right. All cool. right. All right. With that said, this is uh, Ryan O. And this is Abraham. We're out. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by ABAI's Disseminating Behavior Analysis Special Interest Group and our amazing listeners. If you like what you heard, consider heading to our Patreon account at patreon.com slash podcast. Anything helps. And we are continuously lining up perks and merch for our supporters. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at WWD Podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is Abraham, Ryan O, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brucier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Brendan Bohr does our episode art. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.